This is Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. Your host, Carl Valeri, has over a decade of experience counseling pilots. Aviation Careers Podcast will help you navigate towards your aviation career goal. Here is your host, Carl Valeri. Welcome to Episode 16. I'm excited to bring you a new perspective on aviation careers from someone who worked as an airline pilot and discovered a new calling in life. One of the benefits of working for the airlines as a flight crew member is the large number of days off. Some relax or travel on their days off while others build businesses. Today I'm speaking with Justin Lucas Savage who built a successful business while working as an airline pilot. As a matter of fact, he realized flying full-time was not for him and pursuing his business full-time is. Let's hear what Justin has to say about pursuing a career with the airlines and why he decided to leave his airline job and run his own business. Hey, Justin, how you doing? I am fantastic. Thanks for having me. Oh, gosh, it's, it's terrific to hear from you. You know, I'm a big fan of uh, of Coach Radio TV, which we'll get to a little bit later as as far as your new endeavor. But uh, but let's uh, let's talk a little bit about flying first and, and, and your passion, I guess, for aviation and how you got started flying and, and got to the airlines. Yeah, you bet. It's 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 been an interesting road. I mean, I from as early as I can remember, it was it was probably in first or second grade. I remember the house that we were living in, and I was walking home from the bus stop, which was like two blocks away. And I just, I remember having like daydreams. You know how you're driving nowadays in your car, and all of a sudden you're like, whoa, I don't even remember the last mile. That wasn't safe. I remember doing that walking, and all of a sudden, I just was, I had never flown before. In fact, the first time I flew, I was... uh I was probably about 15 years old, 14 or 15. Um, but I remember as a first or second grader just having this daydream multiple times of just flying as I was walking home from school. And it was, it was just a great feeling. It sure is. You know, it reminds me of when I used to drive back from college and look up in the sky and say, gosh, I wish I could could be up there and, and be flying. And uh, and so I, I did the same thing. I decided to pursue that. Now, but really, what, what spurred it on to actually learn to go out to the airport and, and try a lesson? Well, um, I was, I was helping a friend renovate his dad's house. I lived in Indianapolis at the time. And, um, let me think of, I was probably, uh, I was probably in 10th grade, 10th or 11th grade, I'm thinking. And I just remember renovating his house and still had always had this flying thing, never really researched it and, and dove into it. Didn't know where to go. I didn't have internet back then. Um, and we're probably just starting to get into like the, remember the seven, seven dial up modems and they were super slow. And so anyways, I was helping my, uh, my friend renovate his house. We were just having a blast. And, and his dad says, Hey, to pay you guys, why don't I just take you up in my airplane, um, and send you around? And I'm like, you have an airplane, you know, like this just completely changed my life. And, uh, and he said, well, of course I do. And it just had never come up before. And so he he arranged, he drove us out. Um, he drove us out to the airport, sent me up, it sent me and my friend up in a, in a Mooney. It was an old Mooney, just a great airplane. And we went around to this airport that was closer to my house. Indianapolis is a big city and that we landed on this little grass strip. And I was just in love. It was, and I bought a logbook there on the spot, and I logged my per, my first point five of instruction, and that was the day that I absolutely fell in love with it. 
And so you went from there and you went away to college and you decided to get a degree. Now, did you get a degree in aviation? I did. I think my degree is in technology or science or something like that. I mean, honestly, the degree didn't matter to me. I wanted to fly airplanes at the end of it. So I'm, I keep telling people that I need to actually go back and look at my resume and fi- or my, uh, my diploma and figure out what it, what it says. So I majored in, I mean, the bottom line was, was I learned to fly in college. Well, I, I got my private before I went to college. And so this was at Purdue University in Indiana. It's about an hour and a half away from Indianapolis. Um, and I missed the cutoff date for applying to the flight program. And so what the guidance counselor said was, well, if you want to, you can tr- apply to transfer the second semester. We do have slots that normally open. And what most people do, if you want to be competitive, is you can either major in aviation management, which is running an airline, running an airport or an FBO, that kind of thing, or maintenance. Now, if you go to maintenance, the downside is, is you're going to have to buy this whatever $1,500 tool set. And I, while that sounded fun, I didn't want to do that. And so I applied to aviation management for my first semester. Um, and at the end of that first semester, I did apply to transfer into the flight program. Now, there were, I believe there were about 42 people that applied for, I think, seven slots. And I was um, very lucky to, to be able to get one of those. It was based on your grade. So I had to like nose to the grindstone that first semester. Uh, and I was accepted. So yeah, I majored in that and spent, um, I graduated a semester early. So I spent three and a half years doing that. And you said it was uh, Purdue University. I think some people don't realize, they know some of the big uh, aviation schools out there, some of the, maybe the top one or two, but there is a really good aviation program there at Purdue, is there not? Purdue has a fantastic, now, you know, maybe they just told me this <laughs> because I didn't go to the into any of the other schools and um, I don't have the rivalry that some people have, um, but Purdue is a, a probably one of the largest um, and and most most well known um, by a lot of people for for being a great flight school. And I don't know what it is now. I mean, I graduated um, at the end of two thousand. While I was there, I mean, Purdue, uh, Michigan, North Dakota were probably the top three state schools as far as uh, great aviation programs. Now, you got a degree in aviation. Um, and, you know, I ask most of my guests this that actually have a degree in aviation and went on to the airlines. What degree do you think is best for someone who's pursuing an aviation career, specifically a pilot? I don't, I don't know how well I can answer this, but, I'll, but I'll, I'll tell you what I do know. I ended up at Purdue because I started asking around. And in fact, I interviewed for a... I don't even remember what this was. I was a senior in college or maybe even a junior at some point. I'd started flying and I interviewed this guy that I had met at an airport through this friend's dad. Um, we had to interview somebody about something. And I said, well, gosh, th- I know this guy has a really old, like a World War II airplane. It just, you know, re- restored and all this. And so I arranged to get one of these old, like, you know, this shoulder, this uh, video camera with a big VHS tape, right? That sat on your shoulder is huge. And I set it up and I interviewed this guy and I don't remember what it was for. And one of the things, like very selfishly, I said, so if I want to, if I want to fly and I didn't know what I wanted to do, whether I wanted to do corporate or airlines, I didn't know what was out there. I just wanted to learn how to fly and perhaps get a degree because I didn't know what else I wanted to do. You know, what, what the other options were, you know, what, what, how do you choose that when you're 16 or 17 years old as I was at the time? And he said, well, Hey, Purdue's just right up the road here. They've got a great program. 
And I didn't look any further. I did. That was the only school visit I did. Um, and I, I ended up there. And aviation, as you know, Carl, is something that's just very up and down. And I came out at the exact right time. I mean, we were a lot of places are still doing pay for training where you would pay the airline to train you. And it, and so there was a lot that went along with that. And I, I just got out at the right time when they just started really going on a big hiring boom before September 11th happened. So before they, they terminated and laid a bunch of people off. So for me, it was, hey, that's all I know. A guy says, produce an hour and a half here and I don't have to go you know far away to another state. I'm going to do that. But honestly, I think that Wherever, if, if a school has a good reputation and they've got a flight program and you can come out with all of the ratings and you, you know or have heard of people that have um, had just, there's a flow through into a particular airline. Um, like Purdue had a great, and I didn't know this ahead of time, but they had a flow through agreement where um, folks from Chautauqua Airlines, which is where I first got hired, they're a part of Republic. They actually would come up to Purdue and interview 40 or 50 people in one day. Purdue had these agreements where they actually taught a lot of like the in doc classes where you would go and, and get hired by an airline is the very first thing, like all the rules and regulations of this airline. We learned that. You know, they would teach the same thing because I went to, to Indoc at Chautauqua and I was like, wait a minute, I feel like I've been here before. And it's the exact same information. And so, you know, you're kind of prepped to be able to, and then, you know, an airline like Chautauqua with that agreement, it's a great deal for them. And that's how I ended up there. And that's, that's a great journey. I mean, that, that was quick, right from college into the airlines. Now, did you instruct while you were at, uh, at uh, Purdue? I did. And so from what I've heard, because I don't have any familiarity with any of the other programs, um, and, and so this is all what I've heard, but some some of them are like Purdue and others you go through and do some prereqs and then you start flying. Um, your very first semester at Purdue, you start flying and you get your private pilot's license that very first semester. Um, and that was one of the things. I had my private. I got it on that tiny little grass strip outside of Indianapolis. Um, which is a public airport now, but I got my private. And so I transferred in and I caught back up with that class that I jumped into. So that helped me uh, quite a bit. But, and so you got your private, you start working on your commercial on the second semester. And, and I can't remember specifically how it is, but by your second year, you're getting your um, instrument, your commercial, um, and then your multi-engine. So you've got everything within that second, sem or within that second year, I believe, um, so I was instructing as a as an upperclassman, I guess. So in my third year, I was instructing. Um, in other schools, you don't start flying until your second or sometimes your third year, um, and it's you know right or wrong. That's just that's just how they do it. Um, and so yeah, I instructed my last because I graduated a semester early, so I instructed there for uh, one and a half semesters. Now I graduated a semester early because I did a lot of summer school. Um, my, in fact, I, I always, the two summers I took summer school. So between the first and second year, I remember taking a psychology class and it was just, you know, the credits transferred. So I took, uh, I took that down in, uh, in Indianapolis. And then between, uh, my second and third year, I remember taking something. I don't remember what it was. Um, oh, that's what it was between second and third year. I got my CFI so I could instruct. And so my third year and then the first half of that fourth year while I was there, I was actually instructing at the same time. 
So you would think, and I, and this is what most people do, is instructing is the best way to build a lot of hours to get onto the airlines. I mean, I I really like it. It's not the only way, and some people are not cut out to be instructors. If you think you'll be a horrible instructor, for the goodness of the staff, do not go on and instruct. I'll tell you, though, Carl, I mean, as you know, the I spent that whole summer working towards my CFI, and by the, t- that, by the time I got it, I thought, man, I will never know more than I know right now. And I'll tell you that the first student I had, that hour we spent in the airplane, I learned more in that hour, hour and a half than I did that full summer working on becoming a CFI. Oh, I more than agree with that. I still teach and I learn every day from my students. It's incredible how much you can learn from teaching. Yeah, it's great. It's great. I love being a CFI. That is the one thing that I do keep current, even though I haven't flown in a number of years. I do keep my CFI current because I don't know if I'll use it, but one day I want the the option to do that without having to go back through the full program. Now, just a, a note there. The CFI actually is a certificate that expires. Your pilot ex- uh, certificate doesn't. So every 24 months, you have to renew that. And most people do that through a ground school. Is that That's how you do that or an online school? I do it with American Flyers, I believe. Um, I get an email from them every two years that says, hey, this is coming up um, and the program is open. And what I had done, I am—I honestly don't know if they still do it. I would assume that they do. Um, you can pay to get it to go through the class every year. And I paid once. It was probably $200 or so. But, you know, folks can look that up. And I, so I paid once and I have lifetime access to their online renewal system. So I go online and I watch or I read through the new information and they've got videos and stuff like that. And then I take exams and it's all just completely online. And I tell you what we'll do. We'll put some links on my website, aviationcareerspodcast.com, both to that program and also to the Purdue University. Um, and then so you're keeping up your, your currency. So maybe someday you'll, you'll instruct again. And uh, we'll get to that in a minute. But I, w- I want to back up a little bit here and get your opinion on something. We one of the reasons I started this podcast is that, you know, when I was younger, no one told me about aviation, nor did the counselors in schools know much about aviation and flying for the airlines. Did you find that that was also true when you made or what you've heard from other people, if that was true, if you did not feel like that aviation was really well represented amongst the counselors in your high school? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's, um, I guess looking back on it now, I mean, it's sort of their job to know, but at the same time, they can't know everything. And so this that I had interviewed, this old retired guy with the World War II airplane said, oh, you know, just go and check out Purdue. And so, you know, as much research as I could do ahead of time, I did. And we went up and did a visit and, you know, got a tour of the campus. I remember going up there with my dad and we sat down with a guidance counselor in the aviation department of Purdue. Um, and when I had started, there were only 40 people in a class going through a flight program. Uh, they expanded that, I think, my my second or third year there up to 70 people. So it's really small. Like I knew everybody in my class, even though Purdue is a big 30, 35,000 plus school uh, just on that one campus. Um, so it wasn't really well represented. People didn't really know. And of course, you know, it's it's sort of like asking asking the used car dealer, well, is this a good car for me to get? Well, of course they're going to say yes. Right? And, and you know, and they try to, to help as much as they can and to tell you what classes to take. But, you know, they've got, you know, 39 or 
69 other students behind you and they're going to tell them the same thing. And, and I didn't know. And of course, now we've got the internet, you know, we're, we're living a different day and age now. So it's much easier to research that and, and to find out you know, where you want to go. And of course you could do double majors and, you know, and, and all that other stuff that you study on the way to, to getting uh, your certificates and ratings can be helpful down the, down the road for, for business or whatever else comes up. Now, you went from this uh, aviation career right into an airline. That was terrific. Now, did you like flying at the airlines? Let's talk a little bit about your experiences there. What was cool and uh, what was a challenge? That's a good question. I went in actually to school thinking there is no way I'm going to go to the airlines. Right. It, well, and here's the other side of that. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I bought them at the end of the day. I wanted to fly airplanes. I had no clue what I wanted to do other than the airlines are going to be too structured and rigid and I've got to wear a tie and probably shoes, right? The the reason that I ended up there, quite frankly, was because um, I graduated a semester early. We had a great flow-through agreement with Chautauqua Airlines at the time. Uh, and keep in mind, a lot of this information is is 10 years old. So yeah, this is how it was back then. And they're they're probably still doing a lot of the same stuff and even more. So I was graduating a semester early. Technically, I still needed, I think, two credits. And to get those two credits, I would have had to... The reason that I got those two was because I went to the airline's indoctrination program, and the school counted that as those two credits. So oddly enough, I got hired and still had to pay Purdue University for two credits. I think it was like $460. The numbers like burned into my mind. But but I ended up going to the airlines because I had a two year agreement. So I mentioned that they got they had gotten rid of paper pay for training, but they still had a two year agreement. If you left before the first year, you had to reimburse them your training costs. I don't know, they might have been eight thousand dollars, and then it was prorated every month after that for the second twelve months. And I thought, man, well, I'll go to the airlines. I can have I can have fun anywhere for two years, and it'll be a great experience. So why not end up there? That's how I ended up at the airlines. the The first two years, I mean, it was good and it was bad. Um, at the very beginning, I got hired in February of two thousand one, and so keep in mind uh, there were some air, air some airplanes flown into the World Trade Centers here uh, months later at the end of that same year. When I first got hired, uh, you go on and you're on reserve. And what you want to do is you want to fly. Things were really good. We were staffing very heavily. So they hardly used me. I mean, I had like 15-day stretch where I remember my phone rang and I and I was like, oh, this is probably our scheduling department. And I had flown in 15 days and I answer it and they say, um, hey, we, we need you to get to the airport as quick as you can. And I'm like, whoa, I wasn't expecting to fly today. And it turns out they found somebody to get there even quicker. So I had even more time off. So you know, things like that were great. I was single when I started. I didn't, it wasn't dating anybody. We got to travel around. I didn't care where I was. That part was fantastic. I spent seven years um, with that same company. And so at the end of it, um, the reason that I ended up leaving was the pay was great. Um, the schedules for me were pretty decent. Um, there were ups and some ups and some downs. I mean, it's like any job. There were a lot of things that were really great as a part of that. But the things that were bad were, were specifically the schedule. And I didn't care what the schedule was. It was always bad if I had to spend a night away from home, and which I had to do in- increasingly as, you know, things just fluctuated there. And so that was, that was the bad. You take the good with the bad and 
for me, I wanted to design something where I was fully in control and could set my own schedule. And that's why I built a business on the side and then um, ultimately transitioned into to doing it full time. And during this period, you had some days off to build that business. Now, that can be that can be difficult, I would think. But with all these days off at the airlines that I hear about, it, was it really that difficult to do? You know, it wasn't. Well, part of it was the days off. Um, even on a bad schedule, where I really built the business was in hotels. So that was something that I was very, very thankful for. I mean, I hated being gone and sitting in hotels. We specifically had a, an overnight. The trip was great, and I just bid the trips. I, I bid really high-time trips so I could be gone less. But we had one where we would get in uh, to Washington. Let's see. It was Washington National. And we would get in there at uh, oh, 11 noon sometimes into the hotel, and we would not leave the hotel until the next day at 4 o'clock. Well, that's a lot of time to, to do something. Absolutely. And so there's only so many times you can see DC. I mean, I would, you know, I, I, I'd do that and, and you see the, the flight museum there at Dulles and, and you see all of that stuff and, and you walk around DC and you do all that and it's fun and it's right. And it's, if you haven't done it before, it's like, wow, that would be great. But I would do that, you know, at least twice a week. So we're looking at six to eight times a month. Well, and after you do that for six months, you're pretty much done with it. So I would get into the hotel at noon and maybe grab something to eat. And I'd have another 10 hours that I could plug my computer in and jump online and build this business, work on my website, on my marketing, on whatever I needed to do. And then the next day, I'd sleep in until 8 or 9. And again, I'd have a large block of time until we had to leave at 4 o'clock that afternoon with which to, to build a business and work on those things that I that I set aside as I needed to do. So... For that, I was very thankful. I hated being gone, um, but where I built the business most of the time was in a hotel because we, my wife and I had started having kids, and by the time I left, we had two kids, and one was going to be born two months from the date of my last trip. So the, the, you did have enough time to run this business. So let's let's look a little bit more about maybe starting a business as an airline pilot and you left the airline, sounds like, because you wanted to be home more. There are some people that like to stay in hotels. I personally, I do. I like to be out on the road, and I enjoy it. Uh, and I know there's challenges for some people being away from their children all the time. And, and you know, I don't have that issue. But there there are certain businesses that are tougher to start and run uh, while you're out on the road. But there, let's let's go towards that. Let's look at best advice for starting a business while you're on the road and it's i think it's limitless and i'll tell you why i'll give you an example i know somebody who has a pizza place was able to run his pizza place from the road and now with new technology he has cameras throughout his store and he has a link up to his register when he gets to the hotel he opens up his computer he can see who the customers in the store his employees and see what's going through the register. So there, I was like, wow, that's amazing that he's able to do that. But there are some limits. So what, what do you think would be some of the best types of businesses to start while you're working as an airline pilot and say you want to stay working as an airline pilot? Well, and let me back up even just real briefly, Carl, because you had a great point. You interview people from all different backgrounds and, and, and whatnot on the show, and you do a great job with that in getting different viewpoints. Some people hate being gone while others love it. And so if, if you're looking at aviation as a career, you have to figure out what is it that identify what is it that you enjoy and what you don't enjoy. 
And if there's some things that are going to be deal breakers in the long run, maybe it's whatever career you're looking at. You have to look at that before you jump into that career. Um, so I'm, I'm really glad that you said that because there are parts of aviation that I loved and parts that I hated. And in the end, the ones that I hated won out. Um, and and it, just because they won out, I mean, I could look at it from a number of ways. Maybe the airlines isn't for me. Maybe I should go be, um, go be a corporate pilot like some of the guests that you've had on. Uh, my brother is a crop duster in the summer. Uh, and he works about four months out of the year and makes between eighty dollars to $120,000 a year. And then he's a ski bum the rest of the year out here in Colorado and Wyoming. And he's in Alaska. So um, there's some neat, neat parts of that. In the very beginning, when I started flying, I remember flying with this guy who owned a daylight donuts shop. And just like your friend that you know runs a pizza place or a coffee shop or whatever it is, the technology didn't exist back then, but he had people in place that he trusted that ran it. And he had this little business as a franchise, and he just became an owner of that. Um, I think that's really easy. Um, the people that are going back to, to get secondary degrees, I remember flying with a really bright flight attendant, uh, and she was amazing. I remember going to – we flew a lot of trips together because we liked the, the same things. Um, I would go to the room and build a business, and she'd go to the room and study to become a lawyer. We weren't going out to the bars. We weren't going out to get dinners together. It was just understood that, all right, have, you know, and she was studying her exam books and I was building a website and we're doing our, our, our same thing. But anything that gives you the flexibility that you can, you can build on the side. I mean, so what I do is help people start businesses. Um, so it's, it's even fun to, to talk about this. I love being able to run a business from anywhere. So we're talking right now, I'm in my studio, which happens to be a 10 by 12 shed in my backyard that I've remodeled, run power to an internet and, and a nice light. So it looks like a really nice room. I can run from wherever I am. Sometimes I'm working at a coffee shop and it doesn't matter where in the world that coffee shop is. Uh, my wife and I traveled for two weeks around Europe and Africa this summer. And we were able to take a longer amount of time on the road because I brought a laptop with me and worked from Europe and Africa, wherever I have internet, internet and phone. And really the phone doesn't matter because I can call people over Skype. So as long as I have internet, I'm okay. But really anything, if you're going to start something on the side, anything that gives you the ability and flexibility to be remote. And that really could be anything. I mean, you could start a landscaping company and say, it does, and people don't even need to know that you're an airline pilot. You only say, well, these are the days that I have available and I'll be here and I'll get the job done. And you, you take on the work that you can do. And so maybe that, that means bringing other people on to help manage that, to help run that and be the workers of the landscaping business. And you, and you might not even do much of the work. So it really could be just about any business. And I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, another example, I'm, I, uh, I'm a landlord and I have a property manager and they help me out quite a bit when I'm not there, but when I'm there, I can run it. There's so many different things you can do, but you have to use your imagination and you have to get out there and, and look at the different avenues you can, you can go down and then try it and say, how am I going to do this? And, 
And there are so many ways to run something remotely. Just like you said, there are certain things you can't do, but you know, I like the fact that you brought that up about landscaping. That's something you physically do yourself. And I love what you just said. You know, we, we just have to schedule my time around when I'm home. Just like my friend who's a carpenter. He's a carpenter when he's home. He's a captain with airlines. He's a carpenter when he's home. And he says, these are the days I'm available. So that, that was a, that was a really good example. I like that. The, uh, but as far as challenges uh, to running your business on the road and why some people may possibly wind up leaving the airlines, uh, what, what would be some of the big, big challenges, you think? Probably just, you know, being self-motivated. Do you have what it takes um, to motivate yourself to do the work that's necessary? Um, are you going to go out and have fun? Like my flight attendant friend who's studying to be a lawyer. Gosh, I mean, that doesn't sound like fun. And there's a lot of things in there. She's reading case studies and, and, you know, trials and things like that. Probably not all fun for her. You know, not all of your schooling is going to be fun. But you have to do it. You have to get through it. And there's some things that aren't fun in business that you have to figure out. And maybe you have to hire somebody to help you with it. Um, But staying self-motivated to do that. I'm a firm believer if you find something that you're really excited about, the motivation won't be a problem. But if, if you're really lazy, if you'd rather go out to the bars or hang with your friends at the pool when you're in the hotel, that's obviously what you're going to be doing. And it's going to, it's going to pull you that direction. And so, yeah, you've, you have to figure out how do you stay motivated to make that happen for you. And I think that's, a, that's probably the biggest part of it. Oh, yeah. It's tempting, though, when you're in a city and there's some site you want to see. And you want to, you have to work on your website and you see this other site that you want to see. And sometimes, uh, visiting that, uh, historic landmark might win out from actually working on your business. And that's just like you said, you, you do need to have that, to have that discipline to, to be working on that. A lot of times, uh, people like that get, uh, get labeled negatively we call them slam clickers they come to the hotel and they they slam the door shut and click the the lock and but but those people are a lot of times working on things like degrees like you said a, a degree in in law i have a flight attendant that i fly with who's getting her masters in chemistry she wants to be a chemist so you're right you really need to keep yourself motivated and focused and that to me is one of the challenges of doing this job while running a business because there are distractions while you're on the road. But Justin, was this the, this wasn't the main reason that you left the airlines. And this is the point I'm trying to get to is you left because you wanted to be home more. But for those people that wanted to run a business, this wasn't the main reason you left, correct? Uh, you know, it was, it was partly both. Okay. Um, the schedule, the schedule was there. And when I, when I started looking at it, I thought, you know, I don't, I don't think I want to be an airline pilot. I mean, I thought I was pretty good at it, to, to put it humbly. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I thought it was, yeah, I mean, it was a, a decent pilot. Um, and I, there were parts that I really enjoyed the problem solving. And when we had thunderstorms come up and figuring out, well, this route is closed. How are we going to get there? And, and we can't take, you know, the fuel and all that stuff. I really enjoyed that. But at the end of the day, I wanted to serve people in a different way is probably the best way to put it. You know, aviation, especially the airlines, it's very it's a it's a fairly smooth operation most of the time. You know, and it's you don't run into problems. I mean, I enjoyed the emergencies. You know, I enjoyed the emergency landings, the the smoke in the cabin. I mean, we had that not very often. I mean, I just threw two things out. I was in there for seven years. Very rarely does something happen. For the most part, you take off, 
you put it on autopilot and you're above 17 and then you're above, or I'm sorry, above 10,000 and then you're above 18 and um, you've got autopilot and you're sitting there looking out the window for the next two hours. I, I wanted to, and again, this is specifically for me. Uh, maybe other people see themselves in this situation. That's something that you individually have to ask yourself. I was wired to want to help people a little bit more. And, and what, I, what I found that I really enjoyed was serving people. I enjoyed great customer service. We had, we were, we had people on, on the airplane once, Carl. I think we were trying to fly from Indianapolis to Washington. And we were on for four hours sitting on the ramp before we even took off. And we went back and some people got off. You know, they canceled their trip, didn't want to go anywhere. And we had pretzels right? For four hours. And we had kids. And, and so I went up to the little pizza shop in, uh, in, in Indianapolis and, and just kind of looked at the menu. And the lady said, can I help you? And I said, how fast can you make, um, what did I get? Probably 10 or 12 pizzas. And uh, she said, well, we could probably have those done in 20 minutes. And with our delay, I knew that would be time. And so I said, all right, you get on that and I'll be right back. And I bought these. And I've, I've not really, I don't think ever really told anybody this other than my crew. Um, I bought those pizzas on out of my pocket. I never told the airline. I never told the our customers, our passengers on that flight. But it was it was the way that I really enjoyed. Now it didn't happen very often. I mean, that was a that was a expensive pizza run. But, uh, but I really enjoyed helping people that way. And I couldn't. And I want to do that every day. And so for me, sitting back while it was a great job and it was fun and exciting and adventurous and I got to travel everywhere, sitting back and staring out the window wasn't allowing me to have the impact that I wanted to have on people. Um, and so that, that was also part of the impetus of what could I design where I am in control, and for me that was a business, where I'm in control of my schedule, but then I could also have the impact that I wanted to have on people more often than I could in the airlines. And so it was a bit of both. So then, okay, and that that's great. I'm I'm glad people are hearing this because if you're thinking that you're gonna run a business and you're you're gonna have all this control of your life, uh, but you're really not going to at, at an airline because half of the time you're gonna be up there flying. Uh, so if you want to run that business full time, you want to serve people full time, it, it may not work out. But you but but if you go in with your eyes wide open, you say to yourself, "I love flying, and I love running a business. I really want to do both." Then you just design the life that you want. For instance, for me, it works out. It's perfect. I love flying. I get a lot of days off and I also love running my business. Now, for you, you decided that you wanted to serve full time. And I think that's great. I think that's, that your story was terrific. And especially your customer service story. I think that, that, that speaks volumes about you and your integrity and your personality. So you moved on and you went on to another business. And you know, you didn't mention what this business was. What, what is it you're doing? Well, it's been a transition. When I started, the company is officially called Lucas Coaching. And um, I can't remember the last time I've said that because I don't really operate under that. But I started as uh, just helping people get out of debt. It was it was where my experience was. My wife and I got our family out of debt. And then I went and trained with Dave Ramsey and his team, who many listeners will probably be familiar with. Um, and I, I help people set up budgets, realistically look at their finances and get out of debt. And it wasn't long before I grew my business very rapidly. In fact, I had a 24-month transition plan where I was going to grow it on the side and then leave the airlines 24 months later. And we were able to do it uh, four months faster. I actually left 20 months into it. It was somewhere around the 12 to probably 16-month period there where, where people really started asking me and taking notice of how fast I had grown the business. And they weren't doing anything related to what I was doing most times. But they said, well, how did you do that? And I just had fun 
you know, sitting down and talking to them, taking a look at their business and giving them marketing advice. And here's how to operate this better. You need systems and, uh, and, and all of this stuff within your operations. And that's what I do a lot of today. Um, I, I almost exclusively work with startups, um, whether that's solo entrepreneurs or businesses that have investors behind them. Um, and so there's pros and cons to that, but I love the new ideas. Um, I love getting out there and, and helping people with their marketing and, and solving those problems um, in ways that they hadn't thought of before. And, and so that, that's what I do, and I do it under, uh, under the name of Coach Radio. So they find that at coachradio.tv. And the people that uh, are listening to this and say they're already airline pilots and they want to start a business, and I, I, I feel that one of the best places to go is to you and, and obviously, you know, with me, but coachradio.tv, I've listened to your your podcasts and, and read your blogs, and I think they're terrific. But how can you, and I think, you know, we've said this already, but sum up how you could help somebody who is an airline pilot now or looking towards that that would want to start a business. Well, I mean, there's a lot of things that, that, that have to happen. Many people will go out and say, oh, well, I, you know, do something with flexibility. I could be a real estate agent. Let's do that. And there's very little thought that goes into that. Um, I am not interested in working with people who just want to make money. I'm interested in, in working with people who know what it is that they want to do or who are trying to figure that out. And then they will go out and do whatever it takes to get there because this is who they are and there's no stopping it. Uh, and so sometimes that's a real estate agent, right? But that's not the, the – most of the people that become real estate agents are honestly they're going in because they, they heard there's a lot of money in it. Right, and depending on the housing market, we see thousands of people go in and thousands of people go out, and it's the top twenty percent of those realtors who are really just crushing it and doing a great job. And so, I've got a, a number of things that I'm involved with. One company that I work with very closely, in fact, I'm the director of operations for, is called the Free Agent Academy, and it's simply the the website is freeagentacademy.com. And it's sort of an online business school from A to Z. It's figuring out who you are, your strengths, your weaknesses, what your idea is, and then building that into an idea. And there's different levels, uh, but the full thing is really just over a year, 54 weeks long, to figure out that idea and then to start making money with it and open your doors. Um, but that's, I mean, there's the, the big thing, if people want to build something on the side, you've got to know that it, it likely will not be not only profitable, but it's 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 kind of fail, quite frankly, unless you really specifically take the time to figure it out what it is that you should be doing instead of just taking an idea and say, oh, I'll do that. Um, and, and not that there's anything wrong with that. If that's, I mean, a lot of people go out and they try stuff and it fails and they learn from it. And if you learn from it, I mean, it's it's a lot like school, <laughs> you know, um, with the exception perhaps of aviation. I think the stats are a little bit better. Um, but 10 years after graduation, 80% of graduates are doing something completely unrelated to what they studied in college. Um, and, and that stems from, you know, when you're 17, 18 years old, it's awfully hard to decide what you want to do with the rest of your life. You don't have much life experience. And that, that's for sure. And that, but, but going forward, you can, you actually can continue your education at, and also figure out what you want to do by listening to and watching and reading things like coachradio.tv. 
uh, Justin's website, and also coming here, obviously, if, if aviation is something you want to do. But I really think that it's, that what you've shared with us is terrific. And if people have questions and they and they send them in to me, would would you mind if I forward them to you? And maybe have you on again or answer those questions? Oh, I'd love to. Yeah, anything I can do to help. I mean, it's aviation wasn't specifically right for me. In the seven years that I was there, I loved almost every moment of it. And I would, if I had to choose different, going back to high school and college, I wouldn't. I'd do the exact same thing that I did because I learned from what I did. And it was a phenomenal experience. And one of the things that I'm really passionate about um, is helping people figure out what what the what the direction is for them, whether they're 18 or 65 years old, it, it doesn't matter. And so, yeah, if you get that those questions, forward them on or or bring me back on. I'd absolutely love to help. Well, thanks, Justin. And for those people wanting to get more information, they can go to CoachRadio.tv. What other ways can they get a hold of you? Uh, I'm on Twitter, Facebook. Uh, I'm on probably every social network that exists. <laughs> I'm not active on all of them, but. Um, on Twitter, I'm at Lucas Savage, and you probably can't spell that. So you can go to CoachRadio.tv, and you'll see a link there. Great. Well, you know, Justin, this this has been terrific, and I, I really appreciate your, your coming along here and talking to our audience. I do have one last question, though, before you go, and uh, it talks about, it's about flying. Do you, do you really think that maybe in the future you'll possibly be flying again? Man, I, I love it. I I absolutely hope so, Carl. I mean, right now... Um, I'm in a comfortable place with my business. I mean, it's self-employment, it's up and down, and I, but I really enjoy where I am. We've got three young girls at home, um, four, six, and seven years old right now, and it, it doesn't fit into our lives right now. What I really love about flying is the flying. It wasn't necessarily the airlines. It wasn't, it wasn't a job. It was, it was holding on and, and controlling an airplane. That's what I really loved, and I think that's what a lot of people love just about aviation is the flight, you know, just taking control and, and doing whatever you want with it, right? And whether that's uh, getting a glider rating, which I'd love to do. I've, that's, been on my, that's been on my list for a long time, and we're in a great spot uh, here in the front range of Colorado, kind of nearby Colorado Springs, and, and I see guys up there doing it all the time up here in the mountains, and it would be, it'd be amazing to do. Where we are in our time of life right now, uh, it doesn't fit in. I've got to put things like family first. Uh, and if I'm out there, you know, flying, you're pre-flighting, you're driving somewhere and, and you're coming back and you're up for two hours. Yeah, it's a, you know, if I was going out for fun, that'd be a whole Saturday while my, my family might sit back here at home. And so um, I've chosen to prioritize and put them first, but I hope at some point in time um, I, I meet a connection or whatever it is and they get me back into that because it, it while the airlines weren't weren't a great fit for me, Again, I think I was a great pilot, and it's something that I do miss. I, I miss it a lot. You know, Justin, that's a terrific story. And, that, and what you've just told people here is, is, is great motivation maybe for some people to change their direction, or maybe it's solidified for them that this is really something they want to work towards, flying for the airlines or doing any kind of flying. And, you know, just listening to you, you do have a lot of integrity and you have some great ideas. And, and I think anybody who's interested in possibly looking at this as a career – Come here, listen to this. But also, if you're thinking of other careers, go to coachradio.tv. Justin, thanks again for, for coming here to Aviation Careers Podcast. And and I hope to, to hear your story uh, uh, fold outwards and grow and watch your business grow. And, of course, I'll be listening and, and watching what you do. Thanks again for, for coming on. 
You have been listening to Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. This aviation podcast is produced by the Valeri Aviation Corporation. Although hosts or guests may receive compensation for products and services discussed in this podcast, compensation never influences our opinion. Before purchasing any product or service, you should always do your own research. Music by Billy Wheeler. All rights reserved.